guys kind of finish up the offering. And uh, just want to kind of encourage you to take your breath um, as we step into the, the message today. I know last week was powerful, and, and uh, uh, this week we've talked to many people and that uh, whose hearts were stirred in, in a positive way uh, about the transparency of Alan and Amy, and so we're very much appreciative of that. And so the question is, how do you follow up a Sunday like that uh, with the message? And I have been uh, in prayer this incredible week, uh, just things going on in our life that uh, it's kind of interesting. You kind of, I guess, know you're hitting a target sometimes when you, uh, you see what you face during the course of a week. But uh, um, let's just, if you'll just bow with me one more time, I just want to ask the Lord to, to use this word. Father, um, you love us. Lord, there's there's no one that you love more than another one, and there's no one that you love less than someone else. And your love is for all of us. And Lord, I pray today that we sense you. Lord, I, I really don't want the things of man. So Lord, may your word go forth, and may we hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. In the um, 1800s in England, there was a clown by the name of Grimaldi. Grimaldi was a clown that uh, was well-known all, all throughout the U.K. And there was one particular village that he was going to, and uh, the day before he was supposed to come, a young man walked into a counselor's office. And as he was in that counselor's office, he began to share of the hopelessness and despair in his life, the emptiness, the, the, lack of, uh, the lack of any purpose in his life. And the counselor said, man, have I got good news for you. This is a great time for you to be here. You see, the clown Grimaldi is coming, and you're going to be able to go and see them. And I guarantee you, once you go and see him, and you, you sense all the joy in there, that you're going to walk away, and your life will never be the same. And the young man kind of dropped his head. The counselor said, What's the problem? The young man looked at him and said, you don't understand. He said, I am Grimaldi. You know, last week, we took the mask off. And uh, I've always prayed that Central will be a place where we don't have to wear masks, that we can be transparent. And this is what I've learned. I get to talk to people from congregations all over with. And, you know, every congregation, whether it's huge or small, it's made up of the same, basically the same type of people. Um, everybody has a story of brokenness to grace, and it's all there. Some are still a little bit more in the brokenness than receiving the grace, and some have moved on into a redemptive situation, but not all of it is the same. But everybody is broken, and they have a story. But what I've discovered about congregations is, is that some, some places you have the safety to share the story, and in other places you do not. And if there's not the sharing of the story, it's amazing how redemption seems to stay away. And uh, yet we find so often that we're stuck. Uh, stuck in a marriage. 
It was never what you intended. And there was a, there was a, 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 somewhere along the line you were, you were married and there was the joy and the celebration of that marriage. And then somewhere, three years, five years, 13 years, 20 years, I don't know how long down the line, all of a sudden you find yourself in that slow fade of being stuck. And you're thinking, how do we get out of this? Where did this come from? Are we just doomed to live this way the rest of our relationship? But sometimes it begins back to the individual. That there is a uh, time somewhere that something occurred that there was a stuck point. And uh, you have yet to be able to get beyond that. And you're thinking, can I even get beyond that? Is it, is, it, is it possible to get beyond that? Alan and Amy had a story of redemption. Mine hasn't been a story of redemption. I, I've been stuck in this point. How, how, how do I even get beyond that? Does God care? You know, does God even care about that? So this morning I wanted to kind of dig into this a little bit. And I'm going to be uh, in John... Uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 22 to start. And, and the scriptures, you're just going to, if you're going to find them, you're going to have to go with me. And we're going to be in Luke 22 for the start of this. And let me kind of give you the background. Jesus has been arrested falsely. He did nothing wrong. He was a total victim. He was arrested. He had done, been guilty of one thing, loving people and displaying the love of God to them. And so he is arrested, and as he is arrested, we come to uh, a story in the life of Simon Peter. Peter is always that first disciple that is mentioned, because he was a type A leader. Anytime you see the disciples mentioned, there's Peter right off the bat. He is the he is the first one, man. And I think everybody looked to him as a leader. And there was some kind of relationship that Peter, James, and John had with Jesus that they were able to go even deeper into the garden with him. There was an intimacy that was there. But what happens in the story is what I call the time of how, how that Peter got stuck. And in, in Luke chapter 22, verse 54, it says, So they arrested him, arrested Jesus, and they led him to the high priest's home And then it says this in the New Living Translation, and Peter followed at a distance. You know, that was the first thing. We we began to follow Jesus, but then we began to follow him at a distance. What causes that? I don't know. Maybe some guilt and shame, maybe some failure somewhere, maybe just the world hitting you in the face, you know. I want enough of Jesus that I know I'm going to go to heaven someday, but yet, can he really? And we began to walk at a distance, and that's what Peter did. And then it says, the guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and they sat around it, and Peter joined them there. I think another thing that happens when we get stuck is just like Peter we get in a crowd of other stuck people. And we wonder, can I get beyond this? And that's what Peter did. He's following Jesus at a distance. And he is in a place with a crowd. And then it goes on to say that a servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. And finally she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. And after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted. 
This must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. This is what Jesus said would happen. And at that moment, verse 61, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine that moment? He's just denied Jesus. Peter, the one that said he would never turn his back on Jesus. He would never walk away in his brashness, in his arrogance, in his type A way of doing it. I will, even though everybody else walk away, I will not walk away. And he's just done it three straight times. And it says immediately the, the rooster crowed and Jesus turns and their eyes meet. Jesus is being led across that courtyard and their eyes meet. Can you imagine the moment? The scriptures go on to say that uh, suddenly the Lord's words flash through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And look at this. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Can you imagine the guilt and shame all of a sudden? The failure. Can you imagine he had made these promises? He had made this, this, this promise to God that that he would never turn his back on him. And here he's done it three times. And then all of a sudden he looks at Jesus and he's confronted with the reality of what just took place. And it says he went out and he wept bitterly. The way I look at it is that Peter got stuck. All of a sudden he got stuck. Uh, Let me just ask you some questions. Are, Are you stuck today? I think many people are just afraid to admit it. I mean, we're afraid to admit that where we are and what we thought God would do in our lives and how we thought we would move with him, all of a sudden we just get stuck. What, what caused that stuckness? What caused us to get stuck? Was it past failures and we failed and we think, oh, I'm stuck? Is it um, past hurts, abuses? Because, you know, an abuse, especially as a childhood, can just freeze you. And I, and I can't get beyond this moment. Or it was a choice you made uh, that was a sinful choice, and you made that choice, or you gave away your purity, or whatever it may have been, and you got stuck right there. Or you became uh, a victim. You, somebody abused you. You were victimized, and you just emotionally and, 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 and spiritually, you just got stuck right in that point. Or dead dreams. You had these dreams for your life and they weren't going to become reality and you just got stuck. Or no growth. Or you can't forgive someone for what they've done for you. You know, there's many things that can get you stuck. For Peter, I think every dream, every egg in the basket he had put there, all of a sudden he thinks it's dead in the water. I have failed. Guilt and shame has now taken over and he is stuck and he can't move beyond that moment. But what about marriages? Is your marriage stuck? I, you know, you, you never dreamt. I mean, you, you, there's such electricity in the moment that a man and a woman say until death do us part in the presence of God. You make that covenant. And then all of a sudden, three years, five years, I don't know, so many years later. For some, it's been many years. And all of a sudden, the, the, it's gone dry. It's gone stale. Um, it was a slow fade. It wasn't like you woke up one morning and then all of a sudden this is the case. No, it was a slow fade that took over. 
and hurt and unforgiveness and lack of trust, routine, lack of closeness took over. And you got stuck in your marriage. And all you can think of is is this is the way it's going to be until the rest of my life. And what happens a lot of times is when stuck times happen, we dispose. How many people have even taken their own lives because of being stuck? Or uh, jettisoned a relationship or walked away from the church. You know, there's people used to sit right where you are that today, because of something happening in their life, turned away from fellowship. Because they thought the promises of God are no more. See, that's where Simon Peter was. He was in a place that he thought it was all over. But the story didn't end there. If you want to turn over to John chapter 21. In John chapter 21... What has happened is, is that Jesus was crucified. He took it for the sin of mankind. All of it was poured upon him. And so he was hung upon that tree. He took it for all of mankind, totally abused, totally the victim. But Jesus rose from the dead. And so he he's resurrected. And so he has shown himself to the disciples, but now it's time for Peter's one-on-one with Jesus. And so what happens is, is that in verse 21, it says that, uh, that just to kind of give you a little background, is that Simon Peter decides to go fishing. Isn't it interesting that when we get stuck, we want to go to the familiar? We want to just go do the familiar. It's been interesting to see people that have been in abusive relationships They go back to abusive relationships because it's the familiar. We seem to go back into the familiar. And so this is what, this is what Peter does. Let's go fishing. So they go fishing. Peter, James, and John. Uh, How many disciples? We don't know fully, but, but they go to fish. And what has happened is, is they go fish and, and they fish all night and they caught nothing. But I want you to look at uh, John chapter 21 verse 4. The first two words in the New Living Translation says this, at dawn. Now, I think all Scripture is living and breathing. But you know what that tells me? A new day is about to come for Peter. Some of us today need to know that God loves me enough for me to have a new day. We need to hear that. And I know some of you are thinking, no way, Mark. I can hear that out here, but letting it into my spirit, I don't think it can happen. I think, I'm sure Peter thought the very same thing. And he said, it says, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was, and he called out. I love this. Fellows, have you caught any fish? That, that word fellows there, it literally means children. He, he's, He's speaking to them. They don't know who it is yet. And he says, these burly fishermen who used to do this as a career have caught nothing. And he kind of mocks them. Children, have you caught anything? Well, they hadn't. He knew they hadn't. He's kind of calling them out. And then he says this, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many. And then the disciples especially the one he loves, says, it is the Lord. This is Jesus, 
that's uh, talking to us from from the the side. Peter jumps in the water and they they get the boat to shore. And then in verse 10, it says, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Jesus said, so Simon went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't been torn. And in verse 12, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And then look at this at verse 13. Then Jesus served them. He served them breakfast, but he served them. You know what's amazing? Is that in the midst of this time of being stuck, Jesus models servanthood to Peter. And I think it's because he wants Peter to understand, and he's going to reemphasize it in just a moment. Peter, it's about serving others. It's really about serving others. And Jesus models it right there. And then they eat breakfast. They have the fish that they've brought in, probably stuffed and gorged. And then all of a sudden, what they do is somehow Jesus takes Simon Peter aside. And I don't know if they're walking on the beach. I don't know if it's one of those. You, you, know how, you know how when you're stuck and you have guilt and shame or you feel like a failure or you feel like the victim in a situation, making eye contact is not something you want to do? I'm sure that that was the situation and that, that what happens is, especially the last time they made eye contact, and so I'm sure Peter has his head down and they're walking along the beach and Jesus speaks to Peter. In a very intimate, one-on-one, loving way, he says this. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, scholars wonder if he meant... Do you love me more than these other disciples? Or do you love me more than this fishing? I think that's what it referred to. I think it's, it's uh, and Jesus is saying this, it's agape love. Do you sacrificially, unconditionally love me, Peter? And do you love me more than this stuff? Do you? You spoke that one time. Do you still believe that, Peter? Do you, do you unconditionally Love me. And Peter responds back by saying this. He says, Lord, I love you. But the love that Peter talks about in the original language was, I love you like a friend. See, he could not speak it out anymore. There's too much in him that says, I am a broken unit to say, I will follow you. Because he knew if he did, he'd just say, I'd I'd fail again. And so he says, you know, I love you like a friend. And then Jesus gave him instructions. He said this to him. He says, he says, uh, he said, you need to feed my lambs. You need to shepherd other people. You need to take care of them. And then Jesus speaks again. He says this, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Once again, it's agape love. Are you unconditionally committed to me, Peter? Do you love me sacrificially? Do you love me no matter what, Peter? Peter can't even respond with that same kind of answer. In his brokenness, he says, Lord, you know I love you. Basically, I love you like a friend. That's how I love you. And then Jesus, once again, gives him instructions. He says, take care of my sheep. And then third time, and I think there's a reason for third, three times, is he denied him three times. 
the one he had denied, he denied him three times. And so three times Jesus restores him. And this is what he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me even like a friend? You see the original language. Do you even love me like a friend? And Peter responds this way. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know everything. You know I love you. I cannot hide anything from you. I cannot stand here and say that I will not do what I did again because I'm broken. But I can at least say I love you like a friend. And Jesus, one more time, says to him, then feed my sheep. You know, what is Jesus doing there? Why is he giving him instructions? Because he's giving them purpose. When we get stuck, we don't see our purpose. We just see us. We see our struggle. When our marriage is stuck, we just see she's not meeting my needs. He's not meeting my needs. And we get stuck and we quit seeing the purpose that God has for us. And Jesus is saying, go and feed my sheep. Go and take care of others. Well, the scriptures go on to say, in Jesus speaking, he just begins to challenge him even more. And he talks about when he gets old and he says for him to follow him. And then if you read on into the story, towards the end, Peter says this. Don't, don't, when, when the Holy Spirit starts dealing with us one on one, we like to push it off to somebody else. And he says, what about him? Talking about John. What about him? You know, I know we're dealing with me right now, but what about him? Let's deal with him. And Jesus basically say, listen, if I want him to be around till I come back, so be it. But you, you follow me. You follow me. He didn't say it's going to get any easier. He didn't say that the circumstances were necessarily going to change. He said, but you follow me, Peter. If I want John to hang around, so be it. But I want you to follow me. Because in me is your purpose. Let me ask you a question. Have you become inter inner sighted? Oh, I can tell you when I get stuck. I can tell you that I am just looking within myself. It's always introspection. It's always unworthy issues. It's always this battle. And But I just ask you, are you getting intersighted? Is your marriage one that's just focused on, on you instead of reaching out to feed others and to take care of others? And your purpose. We lose our purpose. Here's another question. Are your situation and circumstances consuming you and your love of Christ has grown cold? I think Peter got so consumed with his brokenness. And listen, he was broken. Let's just, let's just be honest enough to say we're all broken in this room. And yet he could not, because of his circumstances, his intimacy with the Lord was diminished. And that happens in your marriage. It happens in our lives personally. We get stuck. You know, I, once again, I appreciate Alan and Amy just giving permission that you've got you've to bring it out. You've got to deal with it. You can't let it.
push you into the darkness more. And so the Lord is pulling Peter out. Now, we're going to deal with another story of Peter then, because I don't think the story is finished. He got stuck. Jesus loved him enough to confront him, not leaving him in that stuck place. But do you know, have you ever been there, and this is just being transparent, when you read the Word or you hear somebody speak a truth, you know it's truth, you know God loves you, you know God is full of mercy and grace, and it's all in your head and it hits your head, but it doesn't get to your heart? You know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one? That's the way it happens. We hear it and he says, yeah, Lord, I know that's true. I know that's true. I know that's true. But it's got to get to my heart. And I think Peter is hearing about the restoration of Jesus. And I think he's still got to be wondering, is it true? Is it true? Is it true? But the story's not over. If you want to turn with me over to Acts chapter 2 a second. In Acts chapter 2, what has happened is, is that Jesus has ascended back to the right hand of the Father. And uh, what happens is, is they're in the upper room praying, and then all of a sudden it says the sound like a mighty rushing wind comes in, and that it was a, what looked like flaming tongues of fire were upon the heads of the people, and this was the, the, the giving of the Holy Spirit upon the believers. And their lives were being transformed at that very moment. And what happened is, is some of them began to speak in languages that were not their given tongue, not their given language. And what happened was, is that some of them there heard the, the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ in their own language. And some, the religious leader says, oh, they're just drunk. They're just drunk. And as soon as that statement was made, who would stand up but Simon Peter? And Simon Peter gets stands up and he begins to say they're not drunk they're not drunk that's not what's going on here what's going on here is the fulfillment of the scripture that God prophesied through Joel is that he would not abandon us he would not leave us despite any situation that we're in he gave us his very spirit to abide within us and then he began i think it was like you ever heard those preachers, man, that get start slow and it's like a train, man, and it's just going and going and going. I think that's the way Peter was. He stood up, first of all, and he says, they're not drunk. And then all of a sudden, man, it began to roll. And as he began to roll, he began to talk about the, about the love of Jesus, how Jesus came, that God sent Jesus, and he was perfect. And then he says this, and you killed him, along with the, the Gentiles, you killed him. And, and it was one of those things that the people, the Bible says, they were cut to the heart. Now, what made the difference? Here we go. We got Simon Peter and all of this stuff. But all of a sudden, the very presence of God, the Spirit of God has come upon him and his life is different. He has now moved from that place of being stuck to that place of doubt to all of a sudden to a place of transformation. And God's Spirit has done it. He's brought it out there. But then this is what the people say. They're cut to the heart. And they say, what must we do? What can we do? And Peter said this, repent. In other words, we talk about confession and repentance a lot. 
And, and Alan Amy dealt with this so much last week. And every story is this way. Everybody has a story. Can you tell that story? What happens with so many people is, is they're stuck in a place where they have never shared their story. And you know the cover-up is more consuming than the bringing it into the light. And so you have to bring it in. And that's what Peter is saying. Repent. Bring it out. Let's have a change of mind. Let's deal with it. And he says, repent and be baptized. Be immersed in Christ. Make a step out. And then be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's where Peter is challenging them. Listen, you want to know what to do? Repent. Bring it out. Bring it into the light. Deal with it. And see the Holy Spirit, what He can do. This is what I love about Peter being changed. No more shame and guilt. No more failure. No more fear or hiding. But it was a new day, a new purpose, a new power. God heals and restores broken vessels. If I did not believe that, I would find something else to do. There's a God who loves us enough to not leave us like we are in our stuckness. The story we think would end there, but the Lord allowed Peter to write two letters that got into the New Testament. Creatively, they are 1 Peter and 2 Peter. But Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3, he talks about marriage. And this is what he says. He said, basically, he's speaking about a lady who is in a relationship with her husband, who is either not a believer or is very lukewarm as a believer. And, and this is, he does not say, Okay, you need to nag him to death. You need to keep hitting him with elbows. You need to walk away. That's not what he says. He says, live your life so much in Christ that you will win your husband over even without words. Peter believed the transformation to be so real. And then he speaks to husbands. And he tells these husbands to live with their wives in an understanding way. And we're thinking, what in the world does that mean? It literally means in the original language, live with your wife so that you are always a student of your wife. That you are learning about her constantly. In other words, you are loving her in such a way that you're wanting to learn, knowing that you don't get stuck because you're always learning and growing. And then he says this, and live with them in equality, in an equal way. Not that you lord over them, not that they lord over you. In an equal way. That's the way God created them. That's what we talked about from the beginning, male and female, how he created them. And then he says this, so that your prayers will not be hindered. That your prayers would not be hindered. You think the marriage relationship is something shallow? It's not. Peter learned 
that we do not live in stuck places, but we get beyond the stuck places. There's a there's a old parable about a man in India who used to haul water every day. He would have this long stick and he would have a pot on one end and a pot on the other end. And every day he would go up the to the watering hole. He would fill it up his his pots and he would come back to his home. The parable kind of says that one of the pots had a crack in it. And the pot said to the man who would carry them every day, he said, listen, he said, I'm cracked. He said, the other pot over there, he said, you take it up there and you fill it up. He comes back with all the water. He said, by the time you get me back, he said, I'm half full. I'm, I'm not worth anything. And the man speaks to the pot and says, tomorrow when we go and we come back, I want you to look at the side of the road that you're on. And so the more the next day they go and they go down there and they fill up and they're coming back. And everywhere along the side of the path where the cracked pot had been, where he thought he was leaking 50 percent of his water, there were flowers that were growing along the way. I say this simple parable to say God uses cracked pots. And we are cracked pots. Some of you have gotten stuck. Your marriages are stuck. God wants to help you get beyond that. Some of you individually may be stuck. Some of you have family members that are stuck. If I didn't believe that Christ could get us beyond this, I don't know why the story of Simon Peter's restoration is in there. I really don't. I think it's a picture for us to understand there's more. There's more. There's more. I want to ask that you'd bow your heads with me just a moment.